Welcome, everyone, to the Family and Stories podcast. I'm Grandpa Jimmy, your host. My guest today is a pretty amazing young woman. Some of you may have heard of her, especially if you enjoy watching track and field at the Summer Olympic Games every four years. Now, although she competed in the 2016 Olympic Games, she's not remembered for winning a gold medal or a silver medal or even a bronze medal. She is known for what many say was the most beautiful moment of the Rio Games. Abby DeCostino, I think that's how you say that, is a 28-year-old professional distant runner who is sponsored by New Balance. And I believe she's training for the next Olympics, if I'm right. Is that right, Abby? That's correct, yes. Well, welcome to our podcast. It's a privilege to have you here. Thank you so much, Jim. I'm glad to be here and glad that our mutual friend, Madeline, uh, brought us together. She did, and what a wonderful woman she is. My goodness, her story is unbelievable. Yes, sure is. So, Abby, while I was doing a little research to learn more about you, I came across a very interesting tweet. Are you ready for this? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not, not sure what to expect right now. <laughs> it read, Sorry, guys, Abby is off the market. Now, I got a feeling there's a guy by the name of Jacob who might have written that. Tell me about him. <laughs> oh, Jacob is my lovely husband. Um, we were married two years ago this past July. We met through our church in Boston, and we didn't start dating right away, but um, as someone who had not been in a relationship before and just was so new to yeah, what it meant as believers to go about, um, you know, the pursuit of marriage with, with someone else who loves Jesus. And, and it was very clear to me right away that he does and that, um, we were both on mission and, and found that, uh, felt that God was, was calling us to serve his kingdom together. And so that's what we're trying to do. And we're, we've been really excited to, yeah, see that unfold together and have many adventures. Um, we're in a, you know, we're in North Carolina now. We met in Boston. And so, so, we're so just... what does Jacob do? I think there's a little tie in here. What does he do? Yeah. So Jacob is a sports psychologist um, at the at App State University. He has worked there for a full year now. He finished his <laughs> PhD last summer um, after many, many years, 12 consecutive years of higher education. So needless <laughs> to say, he's very ready to be done with that. But yeah, of course, we have mutual interests. Uh, I was a psychology major in undergrad, and we we feel a calling jointly to serve athletes holistically and help them become more integrated, mind, body, and spirit. And So uh, can you guys motivate me when I don't feel like going out and jogging? <laughs> we, we can do it all, we hope. That's, that's Jacob's main, main, I mean, he obviously has the, the education and experience that I don't have, but my background as an athlete, uh, we, we hope and foresee is able to provide a different perspective as well. Well, good. So before we get into some of the backstory of your Olympic experience, Abby, let's just cut right to the chase and tell everyone what happened to you in the 2016 Rio Olympic Games and what captured the attention of the media 
and the world and really gave you a very unexpected platform to share a message of hope and faith and love with people. So tell us what happened at the game. Let's see if I can try to condense this. So um, what happened at the actual games was that in the first round of the 5,000 meters, there are two rounds um, in the 5K so you run, um, you run the 5K. That's your specialty at the Olympics. That's my specialty, yes. Um, and so there are two rounds about three days apart. And uh, in the first round, about 3,000 meters into the race, um, there was a pretty rapid change in pace. And the group of, not sure, maybe 25 runners was all together and kind of packed up. And then the pace changed quickly and some of us weren't prepared for it. I was in the very back of the pack and just tripped on the person in front of me and ended up getting my foot caught under her. And so... Well, she fell as well, correct? She fell in front of you? She fell as well, yes. This was a gal from New Zealand named Nikki Hamblin. So she fell and my knee twisted pretty unnaturally and I tore my ACL and meniscus, which I didn't know at the time, but I got up and saw that she was on the ground and was able to help her to her feet. And then I started running again and realized I was seriously hurt uh, and fell. And she was able to help me up. And and then both of us were able to go on and finish the race. You know, I remember seeing that on television. Never thought anything of it or ever thought I'd be talking to you. Anybody who wants to see it, go look at it. It's a pretty amazing story. And uh, the the media just took off with that, didn't they? Yeah, so unexpected. I mean, I'm not a uh, social media. I have sort of an interesting relationship with it where I appreciate it because it provides a really powerful platform to connect with, with other people. But it's not, it doesn't come naturally to me. So I'm not, you know, I don't frequent that space as much as many of my peers. So I really didn't, I only knew through family members that it was really taking off in the media. and. It happened really fast. I mean, I had to, you know, I couldn't walk after the race and, and uh, was taken back to the village to get an MRI. And then a couple of hours later was able to reunite with my family. And we realized that, it, you know, I already was getting media requests for the next day, as was Nikki. Isn't that amazing? And the thing of it is, is even though they passed you through to the finals, you couldn't run, could you? That's correct. Right. Once I got an MRI that same day, the results came through almost immediately and, and the, the team doctors at the USOPC are awesome. And yeah, they shared the tough news that uh, my ACL was torn and there was no way I was going to be able to run. So you didn't come in last. You just didn't get to run. <laughs> well, I came in last in, in the prelim. <laughs> yeah, the prelim you came in last. last. But, you, um, but you finished. That was the amazing thing. You finished. Yeah. Yeah. That was really a miracle of God. Um, and a special moment for, for me personally as well. Well, now you were a college athlete, correct? What, where did you go to school? I went to school at Dartmouth College in New Hampshire. Were you on scholarship there? So at Ivy League universities, there are no athletic scholarships. So actually I wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> my, parents, my parents are so wonderful. I really wanted to go. I mean, first of all, when I got recruited to go to school, I was not nearly as, I didn't have like even close to the amount of success that I had in college. So I couldn't have gotten a full scholarship at many places. So that's where you became a runner then a real runner was in college. Yeah. I mean, I ran, I ran three seasons every year, every year in high school. So I did competitively run all throughout high school, but I was not at the same level I was in college. When did you find out that you had the potential for the Olympics? Probably 
midway through my sophomore year in uh-huh. college, I continued to see success as running became more of a lifestyle and a priority in my life. And I was surrounded by really incredible teammates and supporters. And yeah, just surprised myself, honestly, with what I was able to do. And that, of course, was the year of the 2012 London Games. And at the very end of my outdoor season, uh, one other teammate and and me uh, were able to compete at the Olympic trials in Eugene in, in 2012. And I just missed making the team by less than a second. Well, that makes me think of one thing. Now, you were telling me one of the things, the issues that you had, not so much in college, but later on, was you always seemed to have a, a serious injury just before a major competition. Is that, did I hear you right on that? You you did, yes. So during college, I was fairly injury-free, but pretty much as soon as I signed a contract with New, New Balance and moved to Boston to run professionally, I started getting longer-term bone stress injuries which kept me out um, for a significant, you know, six to eight to 10 weeks at a time. Yeah, that was, that was a trying time where God really was showing me my relationship with running and the place that it held in my heart at times to the point of idolatry, you know, where it was like, I, my, my reaction to the distress and the time of being away from sport just revealed my need to, my tendency to try to control my sport and to be motivated by fear instead of gratitude and love for him. Well, there's a lot of pressure. When you're talking about uh, performing at a world-class level, the pressure there has got to be extreme. Yeah, exactly. And that was really pivotal moment. You know, my first recognition of the pressure internally and externally was really what became the beginning of my journey of faith where faith became personal. I was raised in a, in a Catholic home and um, learned about Jesus and learned about the gospel, but it was, it was compartmentalized and I think in some ways legalistic. And so it wasn't until I started to struggle with the, the pressure and my, you know, some disordered eating and some other issues and anxiety that really led me to need Jesus. And well, you, you get to a point where there's a performance mentality that leads to, you told me, a very self-centered lifestyle. Yes. Yes. And that's really the culture of athletics, unfortunately, is especially at the elite level, that in order to be successful, you have to be self-centered. It's kind of the dominant messaging. And I have a mentor named Ashley Null, John Ashley Null, who distinguishes self-centeredness from self-focusedness. So it's good to be self-focused to, to, it's necessary really to hone in on our diet and sleep and lifestyle. Um, well, before the 20- podcast today, I called you a couple of minutes early and you were working out and it's something that you can't avoid. It's something you must do on a regular schedule. Am I correct? That is true. That's true. Yeah. It's, it takes a lot of routine and regiment, but um, it does offer some flexibility that not many others have you know, it goes both ways. Yes, we're, our bodies are our tool. And so therefore we're always on, but, but yeah, I mean, I feel really thankful that right now I get to do this instead of working a corporate job. (laughs) Well, you know, earlier in your life, sports became your identity, you were saying. Yeah. And honestly, it's something I still wrestle with. I think that God uses that capacity in me to really remind me of my need for him. Sometimes in my mind, I 
develop in my heart, I really developed this formula that if I do all the right things, I quote unquote deserve success, which saying that out loud, I mean, that is self-righteousness. That's not the gospel. It's legalism. Um, but my reaction to times that are disappointing and a struggle, and I feel like I'm failing, um, do sometimes show that, oh, okay, this is still, this still has a hold of your heart and this is still a firm part of your identity. And and I've seen really by the grace of God, a lot of growth in that over my time as a professional, but it's still something I wrestle with. As you, as I shared with you, I still have had some recurring injuries in the wake of my ACL repair. So yeah, I'm constantly learning and relearning. Well, one of the stories you told me, which I think had to be very, uh, life-changing for you was for the 2016 Olympics, you actually didn't qualify, did you, as one of the top three, did you? Correct. Yeah, that's kind of its own story as well, where leading up to the Games, uh, particularly the 18 months, uh, were pretty tumultuous, where there were a few major championships. The In 2015, there was the World Championships. Then uh, February 2016, it was the World Indoor Championships. And then course in the summer it was is the olympic Games, so it was a really big year but i actually had an injury bone injury before each one of those and so um so did you wonder what god was doing when that would happen <laughs> or if oh, he was doing anything certainly. at all <laughs> certainly yeah that was a real time of of wrestling god had been so gracious he still is but in college to really protect me from injury and it was the first time I like really struggled. I mean, I didn't grow up with like with a ton of struggle, great family. And yeah, it was the first time I was in some hardship and I struggled with initially asking the why question, you know, why uh-huh. me, why now? And was gently encouraged by my then boyfriend, now husband, Jacob, to start asking what instead of why, what might God be trying to teach me? And what, you know, how can I be a student of this season that I'm in? And when once I, I got an injury 10 weeks before the Olympic trials and that was like the time where I most had to really lean on God's word and, and well, I mean it takes 10 weeks to heal right I mean 10 weeks before an Olympic yeah. trial it's like what am I going to do here it wasn't much time it wasn't much time at all and so I was just wrestling with the uncertainty and doubt and really just had to take every every day as it came just like the Israelites did in the wilderness and trust that God manna for the next day. And I saw God work and was able to qualify for the Olympic trials and be healthy at the starting line. And I, again, at the trials, there are two rounds of the 5k. And in the first round, I, in order to qualify for the final, you have to place top six. And I came in sixth. So I barely made it into the final. And then in the final, I just prayed for God. I didn't have a great tactical race where I was kind of on the outside in lane two. So running slightly extra every lap. So it wasn't a great strategy. And I just was praying like, God, please tell me to get a great spot. Sometimes I don't get off the line super well. And in the final, I was able to get right off the line, got a spot on very inside. Yeah. And was able to place fifth in the final where typically only three, I mean, the top yeah, three go to the Olympic Games. The top three go, yes. But two of the women in front of me had also qualified in the 10,000 meters, and they decided they only wanted to run the 10, and so they gave up their spots. 
therefore runners four and five were able to go the game. Well, that was almost like a miracle for you, wasn't it? Oh, it totally felt like a miracle. It's such a gift. I was in shock. And then, yeah. and then you get to the games and have an, then you have another injury before the games, right? Right, right. Yeah. So the trials were about a month before the games and uh, about a week after the trials, I started feeling a sharp pain in my groin which was a familiar sharp pain. And so I went to get an MRI and I had another stress or bone stress injury in my pelvis. So that was when I found so, out. Now, that- I want to ask you, that: how did you deal with that right then? I mean, here you are getting into the Olympics. You have this bone fracture or stress or whatever it is. I mean, at that point, what are you thinking? Like, my goodness, or I mean, what was going through your mind? Honestly, I almost surprised, I did surprise myself by my immediate reaction to it. Like this had happened so many times that it was almost a little bit comical. Like, okay, well, I've seen God do crazy things in and through these injuries before. And I've been through this so many times that like, I've, I just know he's faithful. Clearly, you know, he gave me this spot on the Olympic team that was not likely I've gotten approval from the doctors. This is not going to be fun these next three three weeks, having to swim twice a day and right before the biggest competition, arguably, of my career. And But again, I mean, God had already done so much work in my heart to teach me how to manage manage uncertainty and disappointment and fear and to lean on his word and bury it in my heart. That's not to say the those three weeks were easy. They weren't at all. I mean, there were a lot of ups and downs in my emotions, but I had a sure and steadfast hope in the Lord. And and because of my emotional distress, I God provided a few key opportunities for me to be really vulnerable with people that I trusted. That you know, spiritual leaders. Madeline was one of them. John Ashley Mill, the other mentor that I mentioned, was another. Uh, both of them chaplains at the games who were just there for support and and it's the the environment at the athlete village can be really challenging and that everyone's a bit guarded and I bet they are uh, yeah <laughs> you're walking around with your competitors right exactly and so I couldn't tell anyone what was really happening with me which makes me feel like I'm not known and and therefore contributes to more anxiety and so I was able to share with people like Ashley and Madeline, um, what was actually happening with me and for them to just carry the burdens with me in, in, in prayer. And Well, it becomes very obvious that God is a lot more interested in your character and in your heart and in your relationship with him than he is your performance. Yes. And although the performance can certainly give you a platform, you have proved that it doesn't necessarily take that, <laughs> that God can work in any circumstance. Yeah, God is so... Amazing how he has this way of taking our expectations and absolutely subverting them. And then, <laughs> I love that you, way you, you know, said that. Created, creating something that is is just beyond your, I mean, Ephesians 3.20. That was the verse that Madeline shared with me. I think this is actually an important backstory. I'm not sure if I have shared this with you before, but in, in a Bible study a few days before this race, the prelim of the 5,000 meters, I had just come back from a morning training session at the pool. And it's quite a long day because we had to take a bus that was an hour each way just to practice. So I was exhausted and I wanted to take a nap. And so I got back to my dorm planning, fully planning on doing that. And Five minutes after I got back there, I, we had a knock on our door. I was the only one there. There were three 
other athletes staying in different rooms. I was the only one there. And Ashley and Madeline said, hey, we're actually here to to host a Bible study. We thought one of your roommates was going to be here. She wasn't, but I said, you know, looks like I'm not taking a nap. Feel free to come in and we can do a Bible study now. And and I had known them. And um, yeah, so she she shared, we, we started talking about Ephesians 3, 14 through 20. Yeah, we just did a, a, a typical Bible study on that and a teaching. And then she shared a story of something that happened in, at the 1972 Olympics when she was competing there for listeners who maybe don't know Madeline's story. She's an Olympic gold and silver medalist. And in 72, she ran the four by four. She had been wrestling a few days leading up with a, with a pretty severe knee injury, but she still had to compete because she was, fa- she was the fastest girl. And so they needed So she her. was the fastest, even hurt. She was the fastest. Huh? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so she, she ended up taking the third leg instead of the anchor leg, but needless to say, uh, she's coming around the bend uh, with the baton and she just was in agonizing pain from what I heard. And she could feel her, her knee every step of the way and was just grimacing. And then that last hundred meters or when she came around the bend at, at 100 to go, she prayed, Lord, help me. Just that. And um, she was able to finish the race and she actually didn't remember finishing, but she knows she did. And, you know, the Lord years and years later, when she went back to that track, just shared with her that, you know, this is where I carried you through. Like that you, this is where I answered your prayer and carried you through the race despite your injury. And so she's sharing that story and she didn't actually know at the time that I had a pelvic injury. And so I'm just sobbing and of course shared with them why um, I was so upset. And at, at the world championships the year before I had also had a bone injury and still competed. And I came in last and was like swerving off the track. And it was just a pretty humiliating experience for me. And so I was worried that that was going to happen again. And yeah, right on national just, television. <laughs> oh yeah. International. Right. Yeah. Um, not ideal. So, so they were able to pray over me and, and we just, I memorized Ephesians three twenty. now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. And so, on the day of the race, I actually wrote now to him who is able on my left hand as encouragement. And when I got up after getting hurt, that I thought about Madeline and her story. And Madeline was on the track right where I fell. Like she had gotten tickets. I'm telling you, there were not a lot of people at this race. It was 830 in the morning and it was a preliminary round. And the distance events don't always get packed anyway. Yeah, um, as I say, it was a 5,000-meter race. It's not the most popular <laughs> event at the Olympics. Right. It wasn't a 100-meter dash. Exactly. So You made Madeline, it very popular, though, very quickly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Madeline was out there praying and screaming. And, um, and yeah, little did she know that her, her story was encouraging me. And, and I was just praying, Lord, help me, the whole way as I finished that race. Well, you know, you're a little older now and a little wiser. How do you approach running now? What a question. Well, <laughs> you know, as I've shared, it hasn't, if if I had known how difficult the journey was going to be beyond Rio, there's part of me that doesn't know if I would have felt it was going to be worth it. It's been a lot harder than I expected. And 
God has been in it and with, you know, with me in it the whole way, but it's just, I, yeah, I mean, the sport, it's never taken so much of my time and energy and heart for fewer results. I mean, I just haven't been able to race more than 10 times in 10 or 12 times in the past four years, which is usually race 10 or 12 times every year. So, um, yeah, I, I've just been learning that my relationship with sport and the reality performance will never satisfy me. I mean, I'm constantly preaching and what that. you just said right there is one of the most important things you've said. Performance will never satisfy. That is everybody I've talked to as an athlete or a star or any of those worlds will tell you that after they've experienced it, it just doesn't satisfy. Yes. Yes. And my mind knows that, but it's like, this is where the rub is, you know, translating from, from the mind to the intellect, to the heart. And yeah, so I've really, I think the most key thing that, that I've realized, honestly, even in the past few months is beyond Rio, I was so grateful, so grateful for what God, and still am for what God did that day. I feel beyond undeserving of, of being, having been part of such a, a such a display of his character. But then as time has gone on, I've been able to see through just, you know, things that have happened and injury and hardship that there is a bit of emotional woundedness in the reality that things have just not gone according to my expectations. Join the club. They don't usually go according to expectations. (laughs) Right? Of course. And this is life. And so God is, has just been taking me through kind of this other side of what it is to be an elite athlete. Like I was, I just had so much success in college. And then even, even within injuries beyond those two years beyond college, I was still able to make, you know, international teams and and compete for the U S but I haven't had any of that in these past four years. And so God's just been stripping me away, like from sport and my identity from sport and showing me that like you believe sometimes you still believe this is what it what you need to be satisfied and will never satisfy you and so like learning to to process and feel the emotions that come with unmet expectations because we're embodied creatures and so if we don't feel those I mean God gave us emotions for a reason and if we don't take the proper time to process them with them and lament we they're not just going to go away and so it's taken it's taken me time to recognize that and to have the maturity to just and and uh, not even really the maturity i think the self-awareness and courage to face that reality and work through it in time what's happening with you now and what god is doing in your heart now is absolutely wonderful and i think it happens to everybody you're a very young woman you got a lot of life to live i'm a 70 year old guy and uh, unfulfilled expectations they happen there's nothing we can do about it they just happen but the relationship with jesus is forever by the way you are going to try to get into the next olympics is that right are you going to are you tr- are you training for that? I am. I am. Yes. So it still is going to take place in Japan, but it's now summer 2021. Okay. So that actually afforded me another 12 months to get back into form before uh, the game. So I'm really thankful, and I'm I'm training under a new coach 
compared to 2016 and a new training group. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a blessing to be able to absorb some of that transition and change in another year and really focus in, um, for 2021. Well, we're, we are going to be, I'm going to be watching you and seeing what's going on. I would love to see you get in the games Uh, again. That would be wonderful. Thank you. What would you say, just real quickly, if you were talking to young people, I don't know, you have a lot of opportunities to do that, high school kids or whatever they might be. What What do you say to young kids who want to be athletes? Oh, goodness. I feel like there I've had several different iterations uh, or nuggets that I've shared, depending on who I'm speaking to. But a lot of the the content that I've given to different young audiences has centered around, you know, I'm often asked to speak about a sportsmanship. My urging is that sportsmanship is not a destination. Um, You know, sport doesn't necessarily build character as much as it reveals character. And it provides these opportunities to see who we really are. You know, when we have to respond instinctually to a situation and we're not naturally selfless, (laughs) only God can produce those qualities in us. And, you know, when we experience the inevitable hardships of sport to see them as opportunities for him to show us our hearts and sharpen our character so that, you know, there's a verse, I think it's in Romans five, you know, suffering produces an endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And what I think is so beautiful about that verse I share is that it doesn't end with character. Character isn't the ultimate destination. It's actually the hope of Jesus Christ in that our character is developed through these unmet expectations and disappointments that we face. And if we are you know, willing to lean in and yield to the lessons that we're learning, who we become in those situations can point to the ultimate hope that we have in the Lord. And even if we're not believers, you know, the, the suffering, just anyone experiencing suffering, if they're really honest with themselves, comes to see that, like, I need help. I need help from the outside in. I I love what you're saying, Abby. This is so important for, uh, especially for young people to hear. I'm 70 and you're ministering to me. (laughs) So, I mean, those things, those truths stay with us our entire life. God's always working on the inside of us to change us and move us, become more and more like him. It's renewing the mind. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. But uh, you're right. Sports and things like that, uh, they don't really build character as much as they reveal it. I love what you said about that because that's exactly true. The real you comes out under pressure. That's what it amounts to right there. Exactly. My husband has been the one to articulate, you know, a lot of he's he's done so much work with youth in his um throughout his PhD and his master's program, working with underprivileged youth and um, they had an amazing program called TPSR, Teaching Personal and Social Responsibility. And he just saw so much, you know, through the power of sport in, you know, those those ripe, you know, years, you know, where, where I think we're almost acculturated to believe that sport builds character, fa- failure builds character. But really, it's that we actually get to see what's inside of us and we don't always like it. Most of the time, we don't like it. <laughs> you, know, you know what we got to do if you guys are willing we need to do another podcast with you and your husband. Yes, absolutely. Let's do it. Well, tell me this. How can somebody get a hold of you? Now, you're, you're 
Aren't you starting a website or something new here? Tell me, tell me how people can contact you or, or uh, take advantage of what you guys are doing. Um, I, I do have accounts on, on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I can be found at Abby underscore Dags, A-V-V-E-Y. And Dagostino is my maiden name, as you know. Um, and then I'm also... How do you say your last name again? D'Agostino. Oh, D'Agostino. I knew so, I was going to butcher that one. <laughs> no, it's difficult. I get D'Agostino. There are definitely uh, different ways to say it. But um, yeah, as if there's no apostrophe, D'Agostino. So, and I'm really excited about starting uh, this new website. I've been um, challenging myself to do the graphic design and just kind of get get it up these past few weeks. It's It will be called runningwithheart.org. So I'll be, I'll be announcing when what when that will be live but it will be within the next month well thank you so much for being on the program abby you're a blessing and uh, you're telling a story that needs to be heard so i just want to thank all of you for listening today and uh, remember this too you have a story and it's probably better than you think and i would love to hear it so uh, be sure and subscribe to our podcast and you can contact me at uh, mygrandpajimmy.com so god bless all of you and thank you for listening